0: And welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is broadcast on Trent Radio 92.7 FMC, Triple F in Peterborough. We are a political discussion program. We've touched on the issues of the Ontario election and, of course, now the ongoing municipal campaign. Pints and Politics can be live-streamed from the Trent Radio website. Also, we're a podcast at ptpopodcasters.ca. And every Thursday, a group of intrepid pundits gathers at the Garnet Pub to talk about politics at 5 p.m. in the afternoon. Join us if you wish. With me in the studio today is Ryan Wadby. Ryan is a first-time candidate running in Autonomy Ward. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Ryan, first question, why are you running? This is a huge commitment of time, of
1: effort, and as a candidate who ran in 2014, I certainly attest to all that. Why are you doing this? Uh, I'm running basically because the next four years are really going to dictate the next 40. Right. It's, it, there's a lot of big decisions that are going to be made, and I feel like I've been watching and being very uh, glued to the news when it comes to local politics for the past eight years. I contemplated it after the 2010 election. It's very, very slow, right? The process has been very slow. We've been dragging our heels. We, uh, we basically need somebody in there who's going to be able to see both sides, And I want to be that voice for the people of autonomy. That's great. Now, as a first-time candidate,
0: not a lot of people maybe outside your own ward know about you. Could you just uh, flesh out a bit of your background? And more than just a summary of your background, of course, I'm interested in that. Also, what skills do you bring to the position of councillor from your background?
1: Well, I uh, was born and raised in Peterborough. I'm 33 years old right now. I attended school uh, first at... St. Pat's and then moved on to Holy Cross. Uh, From Holy Cross, I actually moved for a bit. I left Peterborough and went to Algonquin College where I learned business. And I was able to take some of those skills. And now I'm working as a a sales guy at Tom's Heating Cooling, which is a family business. From that, I've learned to be able to listen to people very, very closely. And it's amazing how many times when I'm in somebody's home, giving them just a a quote, um, they're completely unrelated. How many times people really open up to me and and show some of their frustration uh, towards things that have been done municipally. So for me, being able to sit there and listen, I think that's the biggest criteria for being a counselor is being able to have open ears. And my background of school and business really brings forward that. Also, uh, I can work in a team environment. I'm very, very, uh, I believe I am very, very good team player. I do have some experience in uh, some community service uh, some of that was coaching baseball teams um, I also uh, am a memory member of the Army Reserve unit here in Peterborough the Hastings Prince Edward Bridge. and there you really learn to test your stress levels and your and your physical capabilities but the stress I think is a really important one counsel is not a job to be taken lightly it is a lot of responsibility and being able to manage that stress is uh, is very forthcoming of a candidate and that's the best way that you're able to serve the community is by staying focused and staying there and staying available. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Now, there are a number of uh, huge issues uh, currently
0: before this council that will, of course, pop up again for the next council. And I'm thinking of things like, oh, well, the parkway, the uh, on-again, off-again, on-again sale of PDI um, on a macro level, the um, official plan review, the annexation the south end – To the extent that you feel uh, ready
1: to, where do you stand on some of those? start off with the PDI sale. Me personally, I truly believe that PDI should remain in the public. I don't think we should be selling it to province, um, because as we know now, it is now no longer a public service with the province. It is now private service sector. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that as a citizen of Peterborough and all citizens Bureau, we're all shareholders in that. And I feel like we weren't getting the best representation of that. And it's very frustrating to me to think that it's still going through, even though the vast majority of people are against it, and myself included. As for the parkway, I think I think it's necessary that we have a north to south corridor. Um, I do know and I do feel that Jackson's Park is a very delicate area. And honestly, your guess is as good as mine as what's the best outcome for sure. that area. Sure. However, I think that we can build the parkway in a way that makes sense for everybody that's going to take into consideration pedestrian traffic, it's mm-hmm. going to take into consideration cyclists, mm-hmm. and obviously vehicle traffic. If you look at, like, uh, medical drive, since they put that in and alleviated 9,000 cars a day off of Monaghan. we right. got to remember, Monaghan is a residential street. We need to try and get those vehicles off of residential streets. Right. That's why we have the new campaign with the police. Right. right. What was the other one? There well, two other ones you were talking about. The oh, official, official, official plan. plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, official plan. This is a big one. That's. Yeah. I was going to say, I said earlier that... The next four years are really going to dictate possibly the next 40, at yes. least by the official plan. We're planning for 2041, which is 23 years away, which doesn't sound like it's that far. It sounds like it's tomorrow. And realistically, the next four years decisions, especially when the official plan's coming to council next year, those decisions are going to really shape how Peterborough is going to grow. And as of right now, we've been mandated by the province to try and build up, not out. I think that can be done very smart. Mm -hmm. I think that we can be able to build community hubs with that kind of vision. Uh, I was part of the official plan design review at the Shred down uh, at the beginning of the month of June. And I thought it was great. We had about 150 people there Mm -hmm. uh, being able to discuss that. There's a lot of great ideas. I think everybody had the same kind of idea of Peterborough. We don't want to have giant skyscrapers forming a new landscape Mm -hmm. for Peterborough. We want it to, basically, we want to... Reflect on our past while focusing on our future. Right. Right. We want to keep that integrity of what Peterborough is today. Now, with the annexation, that's a very, very good question yeah. because right now Peterborough is pretty much landlocked. So we don't really have any more places to grow except for the odd select patch here and there. But even those areas are kind of off limits because they are wetlands, right? Which is like for I'm talking about Dolph Johnson Drive, sure, sure. right? That's very a wet area. So We can't really expand into there without causing a huge impact on our surrounding area. So some of the annexation that needs to occur is we need to be able to allow for obviously more residential growth. Mm -hmm. I think that just makes sense. But we also need more commercial land and we need to start bringing in more and more jobs. Part of that official plan and the places to grow is to bring in approximately 14,000 jobs, right? right? I'd like to see 14,000 careers, not just jobs. Jobs are one thing, but to have a career and to be able to build a family here, and grow and be part of our community, I think is the most important. And that, I believe, is going to be taking place over the next four years for the next council.
0: Right. Thanks. Now, traditional campaigning, of course, really happens at
1: the doors, right? It's the canvassing. Now, you've been knocking on doors? Yes, I have. I've been to approximately 500 doors so far, talked to countless amounts of people. Oh, wow. It's been fantastic. I've, I've been well-received. It's a new experience. Sure. Actually, uh, a little nervous about doing this interview and it's kinda I even said to my wife on my way here was that it reminded me of the very first door I knocked on, which happened to be only my neighbor's house, but I was still the nervous audience. even though I know who they are. Sure. It was just it was a little bit nerve-wracking. But I think that I mentioned to you before I have brochures out. Sure. Um, I miss people, I'm putting a brochure in the door, leaving a little note saying I'm really sorry I missed you mm-hmm. and signing off my name. But a brochure can only tell you so much. It's not going to tell you who that person is. And I think it's very important that people do know who they are um, reading about. And an eight by eight and a half by 11 piece of paper is not going to really be able to do that for you. Long conversations is best. Right. And having knocked on a few doors uh, myself on
0: Northcrest uh, four years ago, I, I know the feeling of going door to door. It, it's, it's hard work. It is. And. and I don't know what your experience has been so far in terms of rejection. I thought, this was back in the Rob Ford era, I thought I would have been yelled at. And uh, that really only happened once. And it was about leaving literature and leaving a flyer in a mailbox. Uh, People are pretty generous and pretty receptive. However, all this about uh, going door to door is fine. But I've noticed in the last few elections, both municipally and indeed, uh, at the other two levels, provincially and federally, there's this new sort of cloud on the horizon that uh, no, people are still grappling with. Like, how do you deal with social media in your campaign? Like, what, what are you doing on
1: social media? And indeed, on the web, including, you know, website. I think social media is extremely important for anybody who's running any type of campaign. Right. And the reason why, especially in municipal politics, I do have a, a campaign page on Facebook which, by the way, is wadb before Autonomy. That's the number four. Right. But it, one thing I found on there is I posted out a post recently, and I asked people, why do you think people don't vote in a municipal election? Because I did have that when I was going to door. people saying, I just don't vote for it. And one of the biggest things that I heard was people don't know their candidates. It's not like the yeah. province. It's not like yeah. federal, where you kind of know parties, right? Yeah. And you get an idea of what that person's going to be about. Municipal politics is completely different. You have individuals, there is no parties, it is a nonpartisan position, which is fantastic. Well, the position would be for the ward you're running in. The best way of staying open and communicate with constituents is by social media. And the reason why is because you can't hide behind a phone, right? If the comments are made out there, they're out there. And I think it's a very valuable tool for everybody to be able to be, or sorry, be able to have an open communication. Now. This election, of course, as
0: with the last elect, last municipal election, people are going to be able to vote online. How will you encourage people to vote online? And it's becoming a bit of a big deal because uh, in 2014, Miriam Monsef's campaign, apparently 44% of her supporters voted online. For Daryl Bennett, it was about 37%. Of course, Miriam had a, a younger demographic, which may account for the increased participation in online voting. Daryl Bennett had a slightly older demographic, which may account for the slightly lower number. But how are you going to... A, do you think it's a good idea? And not all candidates do. And B, how are you going to encourage online voting? Actually, I do
1: think that internet voting is is a very good idea. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because it makes the election process a lot more accessible. So it allows people to be able to log into a computer, check off which boxes they wanna check off, and they can do it from the comfort of their home. Some people are very work-oriented, and this allows them to be able to not even have to leave the office in order to, even though it is within our rights to be able to do so, some people are very work-oriented and it gives them that opportunity. But at the same time, going door-to-door, I have actually had the conversation about internet voting, and I've had people ask me, is this something that I can do? And I am definitely encouraging it, and the reason why is because of accessibility. Last thing we need is, Come October 22nd, we have a freak snowstorm or ice storm, and you can't get out. This is a great tool to still be able to get out and have your voice heard. Exactly. Now, in Peterborough,
0: our demographic is what our demographic <laughs> is nationally. We, uh, we used to be the highest per capita uh, city of uh, our size in terms of uh, retired people. However, we still have a sizable youth population, and particularly students with Trenton Fleming here. How will you go about getting increasing the youth vote and youth typically and especially in municipal elections tend to give it a pass just not bother how do you plan to go after the youth vote
1: So, I was actually just contacted last night by a gentleman, Morgan Carl, who is part of the Youth Political Activist Coalition. Okay. Okay? These are students. Maybe not post-secondary students, they're high school students, but it's very important because, again, it's the next four years. In four years, all high school students are going to be of an age where they are allowed to vote. So, I want to try and make myself as open as possible to them, right? But at the same time, post-secondary students, one thing I found out when I went down to uh, So You Want to Be a Candidate meeting... Uh, here in the library was that secondary students are actually allowed to vote twice they're allowed to vote in their hometown but they're also allowed to vote in the area in which they go to school which I found very fascinating and I don't think a lot of students act and I think it's something that we should really bring forward to light so I have been talking to people and they'll mention to me that they have a child that is in post-secondary school and I make sure that they're aware of that right which more attention to it will allow for a bigger voice and you're right We have had a bit of an aging demographic historically, but just recently in the provincial election, they stated that uh, millennials are actually, or not millennials, but the children of baby boomers, typically millennials, are now starting to become that next major demographic. And you're starting to see that in Peterborough, especially with the housing boom a lot of the people that are moving from Toronto they're not selling homes they're actually moving here because it's affordable compared to Toronto and they are first-time home buyers right so you are starting to see that change here as well and so what was your other question you were well wondering about uh the senior vote how are you going to uh get to that demographic well honestly i want to tr- i've already uh, i've been to a couple senior uh events where uh, there there's a majority Uh, population or demographic there that are seniors, and I've just made myself open to them, right? The most important thing is being able to have a dialogue, right? I feel with where I am in my life. I have two children myself. I'm married. I own my own home. But also, my parents are of the baby boomer age. So for me, I kind of can identify with both groups, right? And I think that's very, very important, right? Right. Yeah. So like, I mean, for me, it's just, it's being available to them. And one way I can do that is uh, you can go, go knocking into retirement communities. And that is extremely important because sometimes they're forgotten about, right?
0: Sure. I uh, attended the Antarian's launch speech. It was only 10 minutes. It was a good speech. What she said, it boils down to three things. What we have to do in Pedro, we have to improve infrastructure, both the infrastructure we see and the stuff we can't see below the ground, so water mains, etc. Mm-hmm. We have to do something about taxes because they're increasing each year and what are we getting from and of course we have to do something about jobs so what's your what's your take on the job situation in Peterborough and how could we improve it so we retain more of our young graduates I mean right now I've been told that it's one or two percent of the people
1: who graduate from Fleming and Trent stay here the rest have to leave. Actually you know what that's a really good point about uh, Fleming and Trent because we have an incredible amount of talent of people learning here in our community, but we're not having the ability of them staying, right? And one way that we can do that is making things a lot more attractive. One of those, like, for instance, um, I know that, you know, with the the recent addition to Bethune Street and the revitalization, Mm. it creates more of an attraction to our downtown core. It allows for more outdoor activities, more quality of life right and i think that's kind of where we're on the right track but we're not quite there yet and the more we can have people that are happier to be here the more they're going to want to stay right but at the same time affordability is a big one right like right now it's really hard to even find a place to rent never mind being able to afford to buy anything it's just having a place to actually rent from i was actually just dropping my kids off at uh, their daycare and we're talking about that and how insane Rent has gone up, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I used my first house, we had rented out the basement, right? Mm-hmm. And I rented out the basement to people who I knew, right? Mm-hmm. But this was before kids. This, no, 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 this is well, Kevin. Oh, with kids, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. Actually, we had my uh, my daughter in that house. Okay. Um, but it was just, it was kind of weird because here I am asking my friends to pay a rent and I'm feeling like it's too high and they're saying, no, 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 it's right on par. But at the same time, you look at the market and like, I mean, what, is a, what does a one-bedroom go for now? almost a thousand dollars, right? A yeah. uh, two bedroom, 15, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's constant compiling. So what we need to do is to be able to keep those students, we need to have good high paying quality careers here in Peterborough, not just jobs. Jobs are very important. Yeah but careers is what gets people to stay careers is what gets people to say you know what this is the place i want to raise my family and and be able to afford to
0: yeah now uh linked to that of course is the whole issue of affordable housing and be interested in your thoughts on that Mm -hmm. now there was a vote well just a few days ago here at council about putting a hold on the Rock Street Mission project, which is being, where do you stand on that?
1: That one's actually a very a very complicated one. Oh, um, agree. Like, I mean, I've tried to look as much information up as possible. I've read the reports on it. True. I was at that meeting. It turned—it has turned into a very, very expensive project. I think it was 10.8 mil- million was the, yeah. the grand total. That, okay. That's a lot. For me, I think it is a smart decision not to hold off. I don't really like that terminology, and I've read that a lot in the papers recently, that they're just holding off. What they're asking to do is to go back and have the contractors reevaluate how the building's going to be made so we can still keep all the same goals right. we wanted. And I think that's very important. I'm not saying we can't do it at all. I think it's very, very smart. I think it's it's about time, sure. right? Uh, we do have a housing crisis in Piro, as I previously stated, but at the same time, we need to make sure that for those people who are in the middle, we have somewhere for them to go. And having 15 rental units in a building for affordable housing can make sense, whether that be at the Brock Mission or somewhere else. Right. Um, but at the same time, you gotta look at $10.8 million, average four bedroom house in Peterborough is $500,000. We could buy a lot of houses and we could have a hundred rooms, right? So. I think going back to the drawing board or getting the contractor to go back to the drawing board to be able to find out a better, more feasible way so we can use that money in other ways to help other people in affordable housing, I think that's a great way of going. I don't really like the fact that we're having this conversation right before council goes on break because now we're really postponing it a lot further. And I don't think it was a smart time for that to come up. They should have came up long before, so we can really start the process of moving it so it's not delayed for another six months to a year. Yeah, and although we have a heat wave
0: coming tomorrow, it, it's going to be in the blink of an eye. or uh, in November, and things are getting really cold, and where will these people go? Yeah. Now, another question, and uh, I'm sure it's alive and well in your house as it is in mine. My, uh, my partner in crime, uh, my wife just opened our uh, latest tax bill and said, Are we paying close to $5,000 a year in taxes? And I said, yes. Uh, And she expressed surprise. What what can you say about taxes?
1: Well, you know what? I just opened my tax. (laughs) Uh, And I was surprised. Uh, My taxes went up $140. And for me, it was kind of like, really? Again? Right? Especially just hearing that. Did they just pass that they're wanting to increase another two and a half percent for the 2019 budget? Yeah. Right, it's big jumps, right? Now, part of that, we also have to take into consideration that a lot of that is operational, right? right. And unfortunately, we need taxes in order to run the city without right. the money to be able to fund the programs for things like the rock right. mission, right? right? For the, all the different shelters across Peterborough, it all collapses, right? Uh, snow removal, all that kind of stuff. So Clean, policing, fire, policing, right? fire, yeah. everything, right? right, right. Uh, for the county that right, mm-hmm. we pitch in for it is ambulance, right? right. Or paramedic services. So for me, looking at it, like the budget states that we're going, the operational costs, I think was 1.87, I want to say, for operational expenses. The rest of it was for capital investment. One thing, and I'll bring it up, we haven't brought it up yet, but the casino is going to be uh, generating some money that we can use for that capital expenses. So I'm not saying any kind of tax cuts or anything like that, but it will definitely help offset some of those increases that will be needed in the future to continue to develop as a city, right? So I I definitely am shocked as you are. My house is also almost up to your five grand. It's kind of like, this is terrifying. Again, this comes back down to affordability as well. Sure, sure.
0: Now, one uh, final issue that, uh, of course, will loom over the life of the next council and probably the council after that uh, are the implications of Ontario's new intensity guidelines, whereby the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and the Ontario government, at least up until this point, this is, uh, you know, now we're into the Doug Ford era, wants cities of Peterborough size to grow up as opposed to out in other words, to, to cut down on the amount of farmland that gets paved over and turned into subdivisions and instead to intensify. How can we do that in a way that's fair to developers and yet uh, saves money for the city? Because you know the dynamics. Oh. When you build a new suburb, you've also got to put in new water mains, new sewers, new roads. You've it's got to control those. It's yeah. costly. Whereas if you build a new house in an existing built-up area, that infrastructure is already
1: there. Well, that was part of the official plan design charrette, which was very interesting because I sat at a table and we were able to discuss some of the issues such as how high should a building be, right? Do we want to dominate the the landscape or the the skyscape, Peterborough, with a bunch of high-rise buildings? No, we wanted to make sure that, that certain features of Peterborough we're not gonna be overshadowed. So for instance, Market Hall, right? The clock tower. The view of the The river. Yeah, exactly, the view of the river. But we also wanted to highlight some of those features. So the way that we were looking at it was, I had a builder to my left, I had a member of the Chamber of Commerce there, I had actually another candidate was sitting at the same table as me. And we kind of came to the conclusion that in order to build up, to make it affordable for a builder, if you only go to six stories, a builder's not going to build it because six stories, there's no interest for them because they're not going to make any money. And the reason why is because the building code states that six stories need to have a sprinkler system, which also brings into the fact that I was able to speak for a representative from our fire department. And they also said they would prefer to see them all over six stories because it creates a safer community, Right. which was very, very interesting because that's not what I thought going into it. But at the same time, building up, we can build up to possibly about 12 stories, I think, was the overall say. But we also want to recess some of those buildings back on building on top of things like uh, Peabrow Square, being able to build up on that, and that really, really, really will help out uh, as opposed to building outwards.
0: Well, Ryan, thank you so much for for coming in. Any last words for uh, your your
1: campaign and your supporters? What do you hope to achieve? Well, I really hope that uh, we achieve... (laughs) A new council that is willing to listen to the public and be actively listening to the public and also creating a lot of transparency.
0: Wonderful. That's great. Well, Ryan Wadby, thank you so much for coming in and best of luck in the campaign.